I'm arguing today for a Christian nationalism, a love of country, but a love of country that pleases God and honors your country at the same time. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. Or to discover more about our radio ministry and our fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Paul was proud of his nation, and in that pride, he prayed for it. He interceded for it. Then, we learn today, he preached the gospel in it. And then he went out from it to preach the gospel of Christ in other lands. It was the most honoring thing he could have done for his own nation. Have you felt an agonizing love and prayer on the behalf of your nation before? Have you sorrowed for your country and longed that the light of the gospel might shine more brilliantly within it, that that light might inform its decisions? This is not just a misdirection of some carnal national pride. When you pray in that way and you have a desire for your nation in that way, it's God in you harnessing your natural affections and then stewarding them by his Holy Spirit, nurturing them in prayerful longings for the nation, your nation, that he made and gave rise to and longs to bless. The great overriding desire, by the way, in those prayers, if they're prayers that are stirred up by God or not, that your nation will retain its greatness. It will not be that it retains its standard of living. It won't be that it retains and you can hold on to your temporal blessings. It's that from that nation, through faith in Jesus Christ, many, many, many might be brought to him. That more and more might come to know the Savior so that more and more might spread and proclaim the name of the Savior to the ends of the earth. That's the longing. That's the great desire. Here's a third thing. A proper love for a nation will make you a preacher of the gospel within that nation. Paul loved his nation and this love for it led him to vocally proclaim the gospel within it. Paul actually identifies himself under an identity that God gave him as an apostle to the Gentiles. God distinctly called Paul to work among the nations outside of Israel, and yet the passion that Paul reveals in Romans chapter 9 for his own countrymen is revealed in the way that he carried out his ministry. Every time Paul arrived in some new region or new area, the first thing he did was to seek out the Israelite community in that place and the Jews, the nation of the Jews in that place, in order to bring the gospel to them first and foremost. And Paul testifies that when he came to Christ, his first instinct was to bring that message of salvation to his own people. And you'll find that in Acts chapter 26. He's before Agrippa. He's gone back to Jerusalem. There he's been arrested, even though he's warned not to go there. He's gone back to Jerusalem from his last or his third missionary journey. And there he speaks to King Agrippa and he says this. Therefore, King Agrippa... Speaking of his own testimony of how he came to Christ on his road to Damascus in order to persecute the Christians that were in Damascus, he says to him, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, speaking of this fact that God had called him to this ministry and this mission, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. Paul has been given a command of God to be the apostle to the Gentiles. But first, he goes to Jerusalem. And then, first he goes and he shares the gospel with those that are around him, immediately within the context he is. And then he leaves Damascus and goes to Jerusalem. And then he goes throughout Judea. 
for he goes to fulfill the call that is given him. He still has a passion for his own nation, a longing for the people of his own nation. I've listened to a story that Edward Tozer tells of a missionary friend of his that returned from his service in China after being there for about eight years. During that time, he had a young child that was born. They returned in those days, not by plane, but by boat. And they came back to America, and as they were coming back, there were various ports of call, and each place that they came to, the missionary's son would say, Daddy, is this America? Is this America? No, son, this is not America. The next port of call, Daddy, is this America? No, it's not America. And then the missionary tells Tozer of when they arrived passing under the Golden Gate in San Francisco, and the hills and the ribbons of homes along the hillside, and the son came up to his daddy and said, Daddy, is this America? Is this America? And the missionary began to weep. Yes, son, this is America. This is America. I know something of that love for your own country. It wasn't a big sacrifice of mine. I didn't go to some remote, distant place. I went to Canada. I found out that the Canadian people that I ministered to were not particularly impressed that I was from America. Somehow they didn't like that. And so I made a decision that I would stifle and hold back talking about my own nation. Just hide it. If I was to be all things to all people, I would be a Canadian to the Canadians. My kids grew up saying weird words like runners instead of tennis shoes, and they picked up different Canadian phrases and serviettes instead of napkins, and we just blended in. But periodically, we crossed over for vacation to the United States, and the impulse was at that time to get out of our car and kiss the ground. Just glad to be back in our own country. On one occasion, we came back in the fall for a vacation, and we went to a football game at Boise State. The whole crowd stood up to sing the national anthem, and then as the national anthem was sung, there was a bypass of planes that flew over us, and I'm telling you, I think the tears shot out of my eyes. So excited to be in my own country. And Then the day came when we weren't planning for this. We were ready to live in Canada the rest of our lives and be satisfied and be all there for God's glory. The day came when God made it clear to my wife and I that we were to move back to the United States. After 10 years in Canada, we moved back to Boise, Idaho. The very first night I was here, I had to go to the store late at night to purchase some items. And I came out of that and I looked around and the impulse that waved over me was, Oh God, God, let me reach many, many, many in this city. Let me see many come to you for your sake and for your namesake and your glory. That is a proper love for your nation. If you love it, you will proclaim the gospel within it. But here's the fourth thing. A true love and last. A true love for our nation will make us proclaimers of the gospel beyond it. A Christian nationalism embraces God's purpose for the nation. Paul calls himself an apostle to the Gentiles. God called him to this work at Paul's conversion. Ananias was sent to Paul in Damascus in order to be the first one to disciple this new convert in Christ. And Ananias was hesitant to do it because he knew Paul's reputation as one who persecuted the church. And God spoke to Ananias and said to him in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Paul certainly was taught by Ananias this word that came from God to him, a word for Paul himself. And so throughout the Gentile world, Paul went from Israel 
to take the gospel. He is our great example of the missionary enterprise, Paul is. He is the one that we learn the most from to understand how we ought to carry out that work and the specific ideas and rules and strategies that should govern us in reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And what I want you to know is that Paul was not exercising himself in a novelty. A Jew taking the gospel of God's salvation and blessing the nations through the witness of the gospel to the ends of the earth was not an innovation. It was the initial mission that God had set upon Abraham. It was the very mission that God had given Israel to be blessed in order to be a blessing. Israel had been chosen and called of God out from among all the nations in order that they might make God known and His will known and His purpose known and His salvation known to all the other nations. Israel's greatness was to the extent that it set forth the name of God and His ways around the surrounding nations and to the extent that it failed to do so, it fell from God's given and gracious task and it fell from the blessing that God intended for it. Paul was acting out the mission that God had given to Israel. He was fulfilling the purpose God had for that nation. He went to the nations to proclaim Israel's Messiah as the world's Messiah as well. Israel's Savior as the world's Savior as well. Israel was to be and was the first missionary force of God's grace and salvation. But they were turning from it. And the most Israelite honoring thing that Paul could do, the most patriotic activity that Paul could do in tribute to God's purpose and plan for his nation would be to engage himself in carrying out that mission for which God had raised up Israel in the first place. It wasn't an innovation. He was being the best kind of Israelite in taking the gospel to the Gentiles. I believe that America has been raised up by God for a great purpose like that. It wasn't for the purpose of spreading democracy, as good as that is. It wasn't for the purpose of bringing to the world capitalism as beneficial as it is. It isn't for the purpose of championing social justice as contemporary and relevant as that may seem to be. God raised up our nation as a sending point for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. And God has blessed our nation to the extent that we obeyed him in that mission. And to the extent that we've abused that mission, God has chastened us and punished us. We honor our nation and we preserve it most strategically when as a church from our land we take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Church of America does no service to America if we turn away from proclaiming the gospel boldly within it, proclaiming men's sins, proclaiming God's judgment against that sin, proclaiming that Jesus Christ has come and bore that sin on their behalf and risen to give them life and give them true liberty. Forever the sun sets free is free indeed. We don't bear that as our primary mission. If that's not the gospel that motivates us of everything else, if instead the gospel is somehow correcting whatever we think are the social ills of the past or of the present, and we don't hone in upon that gospel, we move away from the place of God's blessing and God's purpose. And we do not bless our nation. And again, we also in the church do not bless our nation when we draw back from proclaiming this gospel boldly and intentionally and purposefully to the ends of the earth and to all the other nations. That's God's purpose. That's God's design. You want to be a patriotic American? Give yourself to those things. 
Don't let your love for your nation outshine your love and your passion for the glory of God. Pray for your nation, giving thanks for it and interceding for it as your heart breaks over decisions and pathways that it's going along. Proclaim the gospel within it. Proclaim the gospel within it. But then, O church, let us be a force to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and honor the purpose that God gave in raising us up in the first place. You want to bless your nation, do the work of God that God purposed for it when he raised it up. Be a light of salvation to the nations, a light of salvation found in Jesus Christ. And then we'll be able to sing most appropriately, God bless America, land that I love. Let's bow our heads. Again, God, we thank you for our country. You see the tears. There is a tenderness within us, a love for these things. God, make it stronger than sentimentality. Make it stronger than a wistfulness for the past. Make it as strong as the passion of the Holy Spirit for the lost. Make it as strong as your design to draw unto yourself worship from every nation and every place. Make it as strong as an unyielding burning desire of your spirit that you might be worshipped and glorified in every place. Oh God, that you might be magnified. Let that be the burning in Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.